We tend to value charismatic personalities in the church. Men who speak with great authority, wit, passion, and intelligence. We love our Christian celebrities. We share their videos on our social media feeds. We, we quote their books and defend them when questioned. Then we are devastated when they fall. When their private foolishness publicly exposes them as someone who is actually full of themselves, abusive, above the critique of others, and or living a life of self-indulgence. What if we stopped admiring people for, for their charisma and started commending wisdom? Not just something for our leaders to have, but something for us to practice as well. Turn to James chapter 3. We'll be in verse 13. Again, I encourage you to have God's word in front of you, to take notes, um, to engage with what's happening this morning. Last week, James started a new section challenging teachers, and he talked about the power of the tongue, which obviously has significance for all of God's people. And James may still be addressing teachers here, although these verses really do apply to, to every category of believer. And so these words are for us as well. And so look at James 13, chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now we could spend an entire series on the concept of wisdom, the biblical concept of wisdom, but I'm going to, as best as I can, try to distill it down and make it more simple for our use today. Biblical wisdom, in general, does not equate to just mere knowledge or intelligence. It's not just about knowing, but it adds the practical element of living out what one believes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've heard that before. Fear meaning awe, respect, love, and trust. Fear is the beginning of wisdom. Obedience is the fulfillment of wisdom. Wisdom is the skill to live righteously, driven by a reverential love for God. Who is wise and understanding among you? Understanding is about being knowledgeable in a way that makes one effective and exercising such knowledge. Now, there may be a small variation in these definitions, but both wisdom and understanding are about not only knowing what is right, but having the ability to do what is right. Now, knowledge is important to obtain. I am not anti-intellectual. I want you to know God's word. But we've talked about this before. You can graduate Bible school with a 4.0. You can have a PhD. You can be even teaching others, you know, survey of the New Testament and systematic theology and still be a complete fool. Biblical wisdom is more than just intellectual understanding. It is the ability to live righteously. I know who God is. I fear God. I love him. I trust him. I know what he wants for my life. And 
I desire to go do it, and so I do. That is wisdom from beginning to end. Look at the rest of verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you, so it makes more sense when he says this, by his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness of wisdom. Before James said, living faith should produce works. Here he says, true wisdom should produce good conduct done in humility or meekness. Humility or meekness was not a popular trait in Greco-Roman culture. It was dishonorable. It was to imply servitude. Uh, you know, don't, don't be meek. Don't let others walk all over you. But Jesus flipped all that on its head. <laughs> Jesus himself was meek. He was humble to the point of death. He claimed blessings on those who were humble, who were meek. And he tells us to be humble and meek. Humility, meekness is a healthy understanding of our own unworthiness before God and a corresponding humility and lack of pride in our dealings with our fellow man. John Stott calls meekness self-subduing gentleness. It's making ourselves less and God more and putting others first in all situations. And so in this, meekness is not weakness. In fact, to be meek, you have to be strong and secure in your relationship with God. You must have strength to make yourself second or third, maybe even fourth. You want to be wise. Real wisdom is demonstrated by good conduct done in humility. James will later expand on this idea because this passage has what's called a chiastic structure. Chiastic structure. That's just a fancy way of saying it has an ABA structure. That's just a fancy way of saying that this passage is like a sandwich. And so he's going to talk about good conduct. He's just talked about good conduct here. Good, what wisdom looks like. Good conduct done in humility. Then he's going to get to the meat of the section. It's rotten meat, but he's going to say this is what wisdom does not look like. And then he's going to come back to wisdom is. Wisdom is. So let's read on. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast and be false of the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. If wisdom is marked by good conduct done in humility, then whatever the opposite of wisdom is, is marked by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy can rear its ugly head in any environment, especially the church. When we're envious of another's gifts, when we're threatened by their abilities or personality, or when we're coveting the amount of influence 
they wield. Selfish ambition is a word that was used in citizens of of partisan politics. It would bring to mind people in angry competition, undermining one another and fighting for their own rights. So if humility is self-subduing, then bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is self-exalting. James says this is not wisdom from above. It's earthly. It's inferior. It's unspiritual. The life of the spirit is not in it. And it is demonic. He doesn't even call whatever this way of doing things is as wisdom. He doesn't say this is worldly wisdom. Because he wants the word wisdom to be as far away as possible from the, world, the word world. Because it's, like a, it's an oxymoron. Worldly wisdom. There's really no such thing. It's like jumbo shrimp. No. Plastic silverware. It's either plastic or it's silverware. One of the other. It's either, it's either worldly or it's wisdom. The world will tell you to get what you can get even at the expense of others. The world will tell you to put yourself first. That the ultimate goal in life is to succeed. To be revered. To find yourself maybe in a power of position in charge of others. Exalted. Revered. Admired. Make a vision board. Manifest it into reality. And go get it. And if you don't have what you want, envy those who do. Get on social media and just let jealousy run its course in your life. It's okay to have goals. It's okay to strive for excellence. But if jealousy and selfish ambition are driving you in the church, outside of the church, I encourage you to step back and realize that Those desires are not from God. Those are earthly, unspiritual, without life, and demonic. And you're lying to yourself if you call that wisdom. And if these driving forces seep into the church, like they often do, problems will abound. They will bring disorder and every evil practice. It doesn't matter If it's me, if it's you, if it's an elder, if it's somebody serving in the nursery, when we operate as the world does within this body, when we're more interested in pursuing our own ambitions and and causes, our own glory instead of the edification of others, we offer Satan an open door into the house of God, which is the people of God. We're saying, come on in, Satan. Have your way. You know, let every vile practice happen. We talked about this passage having a chiastic structure, like a sandwich. Well, the meat of this sandwich, as I said before, 
has turned. It's rotten. It's evil. So let's get back to the good stuff. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. First, true wisdom is from where? It's not of this earth. It's unearthly. It is from above. And wisdom is first pure. Now, when we think of purity, we think of one of the nuances of purity. Being unstained by sin in the world. And I'm going to be pure. But there's also this idea when we look at purity as a single-mindedness. My devotion to God isn't undivided. It's pure devotion to God. My loyalties are undivided. So to be wise is to be untainted by selfish ambition or, or any other sin and wholly committed to my God. This is the primary virtue that paves the way for all others. With the virtues that follow, James employs now a mnemonic device. If you read it in the original Greek, it was intended to be memorized. Now, do you, do you remember any mnemonic devices growing up? Like, what are the colors of the rainbow? Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Pretty good. What are the, what are the, the, the scales on a, on a, is it a trep, a clebble trep, or is that the right, is that what I'm, right, right, I'm not using the right word? What is it, Amy? Treble clep. Treble, I said treble clep. Clebble trep. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Do you guys remember? Every good boy does, fine. does fine, or I grew up, deserves fudge. Every good boy Deserves fudge, except for the one who's allergic to fudge. But, you know, E, G, D, B, F. So he's using uh, alliteration and, and he's using similar vowel sounds, A and E. And so all of this was kind of, you could see probably the early church putting it to music, the kids memorizing it. These are the, the fruits of wisdom. This is what it looks like to be wise. And he says, wisdom is first peaceable. Wisdom is first peaceable. Wisdom, when manifested in the life of a person, makes one eager to make peace. This person isn't quick to throw a punch, verbal or physical. <laughs> they are more concerned with reconciliation than retaliation. I don't know if I can say that about myself. Wisdom is gentle, considerate. It describes the kind of person, though, who wronged and possessing the right not to bend, nevertheless foregoes his right. It's taking the kindest path possible when dealing with people who have wronged you and people who are difficult. Are you gentle with difficult people? <laughs> I don't like this, Larry. The wise person is open to reason. This has the idea of teachable, not stubborn. They recognize truth when they hear it, and they willingly receive instruction. The rarest phrase in our modern culture. I'm sure it's never been typed out in a full sentence on the internet in a comic section. In a comment section is this. 
you know, I think you're right. Are you teachable? Are you open to correction? Do you always have to be right? Are you open to, to being wrong? Wisdom is full of mercy. Mercy not only forgives, it reaches out and helps the offender in whatever ways are needed. It's compassion in action for those who are in need. Wisdom is full of good fruits like faith. It will manifest itself in deeds of humility. Wisdom is impartial, non-judgmental. Partiality was a problem in this church. We saw in chapter 2, people who were wealthy were being welcomed and honored. People who were poor were being dishonored. That is favoritism. That is partiality. And finally, we see that wisdom will produce sincerity. Wisdom is sincere. There's no pretense. There's no mask. There's no faking it. You see what you get. And I've played on enough church softball teams to know the need for sincerity. I've seen, don't come to church and be all pious and praise Jesus and then cuss out the minimum waged paid ref because the call on second didn't go your way. That's not sincerity. That's double-minded faith. That's being of Jesus here and of the world here. The way of the world promotes jealousy and selfish ambition. Wisdom will manifest itself in good conduct done in humility. Acts of peace, kindness, mercy, and sincerity. Look at verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. While we talked about a number of virtues here, peacemaking is especially important to James because the issues that he'll address next week that he's hinted at before, quarrels and disputes. There's a lot of fighting going on in this church. James has talked about what bitter jealousy and selfish ambition produce disorder in every vile practice, peacemakers produce in the atmosphere of peace that they create a harvest of righteousness, a bounty of goodness, right conduct that is pleasing to God and good for the people of God is the fruit of peacemaking, which is a result of wisdom. I, more than anything, can claim before you now, I want to be wise. I want to be wise. As a new believer, I remember going to a, a conference, uh, and I, guys, I, I became a pastor about three years into my faith journey, which is probably too early. And I was at a relatively uh, decent-sized church, uh, and I remember going to a conference, um, not super secure in who I was, and I saw... It was one of those conferences where you know, all the famous speakers were there. Guys who, you know, hey, read this book, read this book. Those, those guys were in front giving lectures, you know, doing panels, giving, giving sermons. And I, and I immediately said, I want to be like that. I, I want to succeed to a position or status where others look to me for advice. 
I want to be known. I want to write books. I want people to download my sermons. I want to be successful. I want to be revered. I want to be seen as charismatic and witty. Jealousy and selfish ambition are things that a pastor, a leader, must put to death. God has been working in my life over the past 15 or 20 years to weed out such sin. And I can say with confidence most days, the only thing I really want to be is wise. I want to preach the gospel well. I want to lead this church with courage. But more than anything, I want to be wise. Can you pray for me? What about you? Who is wise and understanding among you? What would your coworkers, your kids, or your husbands say? Sometimes we're not great at answering these questions. Are you prone to jealousy? Does selfish ambition often overtake your heart? Is your devotion to God pure? <laughs> Are you peaceable? Gentle? Are you open to reason? Are you okay being wrong and seeing truth? Or does your pride hold you back from, from saying, I know you're right? Full of good fruits, impartial or sincere? Your answer really depends on the well you're drinking from. That which springs up from the world is earthly, full of death, polluted and demonic. Drop the bucket that draws from this well. The other well springs forth from our Father in heaven who freely gives wisdom if we ask for it. The application today isn't try to be peaceful. The application today isn't, you know, white-knuckle kindness. Sorry. Figure out how to be merciful with others. We cannot manifest wisdom in and of ourselves. So if you want to be wise, you must first ask God for wisdom. Flip to James 1 real quick, a passage we've already read together. James 1, look at verse 5. You want wisdom? Here's how you get it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. This doesn't mean that our faith has to be perfect, but it means we must ask God with unwavering dedication. I know you're the type of God who gives wisdom generously. Give me wisdom that is pure, peace-loving, kind, full of mercy, humble. Use me not to sow disorder, but peace and righteousness in my relationships with others. If you want to be wise, you must first ask God for wisdom. But if we look at the larger picture of scripture, we know that God communicates wisdom through a few different avenues. If you want to be wise, you can also go to God's word. 
You can open up God's word. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. If you want wisdom, go like this. Open up the word of God. And as Colossians 3.16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. But it also says, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. God's words makes us wise and it helps us to teach others to be wise, which illuminates another avenue for wisdom. Others, if you want to be wise, be around wise people. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Do you have someone in your life who is wise? (laughs) Someone in your life who who deeply loves Jesus and is not perfect, but is desiring to live a life of faithfulness. If you're Timothy, do you have a Paul? Do you have somebody who can speak wisdom into your life? I've had that in many times. I have that in many different ways now, yet I still desire it. Because I know that God has worked through other people to to reveal what wisdom practically looks like, and I can seek them out. You want to be wise and understanding? Be with wise people. Go to God's word, and most importantly, ask God to give you wisdom that demonstrates itself in good conduct done and humility. And I just want to add one, one last thing that we could spend again another six to 12 weeks talking about. None of this happens apart from a relationship with Jesus. If you want to be wise, you need to be in union with our Savior. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we are in him through faith in his sin, atoning death, and resurrection, we are united to the one who Paul calls the wisdom of God, through whose life we see godly wisdom perfectly modeled. In Christ, God gives believers the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Paul prays that God would fill the saints with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. True wisdom, real wisdom, only happens when we know, love, and walk in relationship with our Lord and Savior. Amen? Let's pray.